0: Well, good morning again, St. Paul's, it's great to see so many of you here. Um, As you know, if you've been here the last five weeks, we have been going through a series called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like, where we've been looking at the parables that Jesus shares where he starts with that phrase, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like, and we've been learning all about the Kingdom of Heaven, what the Kingdom of Heaven is. and This week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, We're not going to be looking at a new parable, but we are going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to continue with that theme. So technically, I say this counts as part of the series. Um, But we're doing something a little different because you might have heard that something fairly significant is happening on Tuesday. Um, Unless you've been in hibernation, Uh, For the last year, uh, you know that we are going to be electing a new president of the United States. And I I have to be honest with you guys, I spent this whole week going back and forth, all the way up until yesterday, about whether I was going to preach about the election. (laughs) So I started by preparing the, the message for the next parable in this series, and then I'd think about the election, I'd think, well, that's gonna happen on Tuesday. Maybe I should say something about that. And then I'd be like, no, that'd be crazy. I shouldn't do that. So that's a landmine, so no, I wouldn't do that. But then I think, you know, it's, it's such an important thing for so many people. This is something that's on a, on a lot of our minds, right? And so, it eventually it got to a point where I just felt like if I were to stand up here today and just do business as usual, it would feel disingenuous. It would feel like there's something going on in all of our lives and we're just not talking about it. And I don't think that's a good way for the church to function. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you right from the outset, I am not going to tell you who to vote for, okay? That is not my job. Uh, One, I just don't think it's very wise for me to do that. And two, we are a tax-exempt organization and I don't wanna lose that status. (laughs) So, (laughs) I am not going to tell you who to vote for. That's uh, not what this is about. And I'm I'm going to try to keep this message as nonpartisan as I can, okay? Um, But what I do wanna do is I want to talk about how what we have been learning about the kingdom of heaven over the last month or so should affect our view of what's happening on Tuesday. How should uh, all these parables that we've been looking at and just the perspective that we gain from knowing that the kingdom of heaven is a reality that is coming, how should that influence the way that we view the election? So that's the big question this morning. And before we get into that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you um, for the bond of your Holy Spirit that helps to bring unity. And I pray that regardless of what side of the political aisle we might fall on, uh, I pray that right now we would be able to um, consider honestly and thoughtfully how the kingdom of heaven should influence the way that we think. Um, God, I pray that you would Help us to um, not be overcome by uh, emotion. Uh, emotion is part of what you've created us to experience, Lord, but I pray that uh, during this message we would just be able to think clearly um, through the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Um, I pray, God, that you would, you would grant us uh, insights uh, into uh, what your will is uh, for, for our lives and for how we think and how we think about our country. And uh, we do pray, Lord, uh, for our country. Uh, we pray uh, that your will would be done, Lord. Um, and we pray that you would be glorified uh, in your church and in how uh, we respond to all things. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to need more water than usual for this message. Okay. So I want to suggest that there's four, four primary ways that the kingdom of heaven should influence the way that we view this election. And we're just gonna dive right in. The first thing is that we should recognize that our primary citizenship is not in America, but in the kingdom of heaven. Our primary citizenship is not in America, but in the kingdom of heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong Not saying that there's anything wrong with uh, loving our country, there might be something wrong with the clicker, but there's nothing wrong uh, with loving our country. Uh, All of us who are American citizens should count our blessings. We live in a country where our model of government grants us many freedoms that don't exist in other places in the world. Um, We get to enjoy, at least to a certain extent, things like freedom of speech, um, freedom of religion, There are so many things that we have to be thankful for, and there are so many things that I personally am thankful for. If I'm honest, I'm glad I was born in America. I I don't think I would have wanted to be born anywhere else if I had the choice. And I am so thankful that there are people who have given their lives in order to help preserve these freedoms that we get to enjoy. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having a healthy um, appreciation for America and for living in America. Um, However, we must never, ever confuse America with the Kingdom of Heaven. Amen? Thanks. (laughs) We must never do that. In the book of Revelation, uh, we're given a glimpse of the Kingdom of Heaven. I love this verse. It's beautiful. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And notice those words, every nation, tribe, people, and language. The kingdom of heaven is diverse, The kingdom of heaven is international, it's inclusive, it's not xenophobic, It's not ethnocentric. And it's not America. Now, there will be Americans in the kingdom of heaven, right? But it's not America. Now, that's not to say that this election isn't important. okay? Uh, But what I'm saying is that we need to view it in context. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we know who our true leader is already. The election is not going to change that. We're not deciding who the king of heaven is going to be. Like that passage in Revelation says, it's Jesus who's on the throne. And nothing about this election is going to change who is on that throne, as long as our true citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that point directly relates to the second thing we need to remember, which is that no matter what happens to America, the kingdom of heaven is still coming, and the kingdom of heaven will still win. No matter what. Now, first, let me ask. Show of hands. How, may, how many of us are anxious about Tuesday? Okay. Fair amount, yeah? Now, I'm not just showing you how to raise your hand. My hand is up too, okay, to be honest. I'm anxious about Tuesday as well. Now, I don't want to suggest that there aren't reasons to be concerned about what's happening on Tuesday. Because the decision that's going to get made is going to be significant, and it could potentially have negative consequences for years, right? But even so, I want us to remember that we have a reason to be at peace no matter what, because of what we know about the kingdom of heaven. Um, Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about three kingdom parables that are presented in Matthew 13. Uh, The parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the yeast. And I argued that the theme that unites all of those parables is that even though it might look like the kingdom of heaven is not going to win, like it doesn't have a chance, it's still going to win. You might remember this slide from that message. Uh, In the parable of the weeds, it doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven is going to win, because evil is present throughout the world. Right? There's, There's weeds spread throughout the wheat, mixed in all together. But the parable reminds us that there will come a day, one day, eventually, when God will separate out the evil and make things right. The kingdom of heaven still wins. In the parable of the mustard seed, it looks like the kingdom of heaven isn't going to win because it's so small. But over time, steadily, the parable promises us that the kingdom of heaven will grow, just like a seed grows into a huge tree. The kingdom of heaven will still win. And in the parable of the yeast, it looks like the kingdom isn't going to win because it seems so hidden. Right? But the parable promises that over time, the influence of the kingdom will affect the world, just like the yeast spreads through the whole loaf of bread. The kingdom of heaven still wins. And so on November 9th, if you wake up in the morning and you are not happy with the results of the, of the election, right, we need to remind ourselves of these parables. If on November 9th it seems like the weeds have taken over or it seems like the kingdom of heaven is too small and hidden and powerless to make a difference, we need to remember what Jesus taught, right? Which is that in the long run, the kingdom of heaven is still going to win. Even though we might not witness that victory during our earthly lives, it is still going to happen. And there's a promise that for those of us who trust in Jesus, we will get to experience that. Even if it doesn't happen during our earthly lives, there's still that promise. The kingdom of heaven is going to win. So it's okay to be concerned about what's going on, right? But even in the midst of that concern, we should have a deep abiding peace. Because we know who our true king is, and we know that his kingdom will reign forever. Okay, number three. Third thing that we need to remember is that our primary allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom, not to a candidate or political party. All right, now I'm not saying here that you should never support a particular candidate or political party. But what I'm saying is that your commitment to that candidate or party should never rival or supersede your commitment to Jesus and his kingdom. And I think that there's a very simple way to determine whether or not you have allowed that to happen. Okay, so are you ready for this? Here's what it is. You know that your commitment to a candidate or party has taken precedence over your commitment to Jesus if you are unable to criticize them. So here's the questions we need to ask ourselves. Do we defend our candidate's sins? Do we minimize them? Do we try to argue that they don't matter? Because if we do, I want to humbly suggest that in that moment, our commitment to Jesus is taking a back seat to our commitment to that candidate. If our allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom first, then there are certain behaviors that should break our hearts. Um, Among those things, and this is not an exhaustive list, but among those things should be lying, corruption, sexual immorality, racism, misogyny, and violence. And that means that whatever candidate we end up deciding is the best available option we should not be making light of any of those sins, even if it's our candidate that's doing them. We should be able to say, you know what, I've decided to vote for fill in the blank, but you know what, it really, really bothered me when he or she did blank. Or it really, really bothered me when he or she said fill in the blank. But if every time our candidate's sins come to light, our response is just to try and justify those sins or to just shift our attention to the other candidates' sins, then we're on dangerous ground. Because a lot of people who are not Christians are watching us. Especially during election season. This is a unique time when Christians, as a group, get polled about what they think. And articles come out and they say, this is what Christians think. And the world notices. And when we try and justify our candidate's sins, or shift attention to the other candidate's sins, what we communicate to people who are not Christians is that we don't really care about those things. And if people outside the church think that we don't really care about lying, about corruption, about sexual immorality, racism, misogyny, violence, And whatever other sins need to be added to that list, that's really going to hurt our witness. People are going to remember that, too. And here's what it comes down to. We need to be more concerned about our witness for Jesus than our witness for the candidate we support. We need to be more concerned about our witness for Jesus than about our witness for the candidate that we support. That means... Okay, we should be more concerned about making it clear to people that we are against lying than that we are for Clinton or Trump. We should be more concerned about making it clear to people that we are against sexual assault than that we are for Clinton or Trump. We should be more cl- concerned about making it clear to people that we are for loving our neighbors regardless of race or class. Than that we are for Clinton or Trump. But here's the thing. We are not going to be more concerned about those things unless our primary allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom, not to a candidate, not to a political party. And I want to talk a little bit about that, about allegiance, because What this comes down to is we need to be careful about what we allow to define our identity. All of us have this view of who we are. And sometimes subconsciously we incorporate things into that idea of who we are. We don't even realize that we're doing it. And it has a lot of effects on how we behave. Because whatever we allow to become a part of our identity, becomes something that we reflexively defend. I'll say that again. Whatever we allow to become part of our identity becomes something that we reflexively defend. Um, For example, think of the way that some sports fans will criticize every referee call against their team. I know not all sports fans are like that, but some are. Um, We've all seen it. Maybe some of us have been that person at times. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes reps make bad calls. But for some sports fans, their team can just do no wrong. Um, and people will get completely enraged at reps. They'll, you know, they'll scream, they'll swear. If they're at home, they'll throw their beer at the TV. Why do people get like this? The reason some people will defend their sports team no matter what is because at some point they decided they allowed that sports team to become part of their identity. Um, At some point they either decided or inherited the idea, I'm a Patriots fan, you know, or a Red Sox fan, (laughs) or a Yankees fan. Take your pick. On some level, whether they were conscious of it or not, they decided this Is who I am and that's so important because the human psyche has this desperate desire to preserve a positive self-image desperate desire so we want to believe that we're basically good we want to believe that we're usually in the right we want to believe that the things that we do and say are justified so if we identify ourselves with a particular sports team then Our psyche is going to have a desire to defend that sports team, no matter what. Because to us, we are that sports team. And so what we're going to do is we're going to minimize our sports team's faults, right? And we're going to exaggerate their merits. Um, We're going to blame external factors when they fail, like the refs or injuries or the weather, right? And if they succeed, well, we're going to attribute that to their great work ethic or their natural talent, or their fabulous, adoring, supportive fans that carry them through. And when we do that, we stop being able to look at things objectively and honestly because that team has become a part of our identity. Now, I bet you can tell where I'm going with this (laughs) because the same exact thing happens in politics. Same thing. People will decide at some point, I am a Republican. Or they'll decide, I am a Democrat. Or during an election like this one, they'll say, I am a Trump supporter. Or I am a Clinton supporter. Or I am a Gary Johnson supporter. And here's the thing. If you allow your support of a particular party or a candidate to become part of your identity, if you allow it to become this integral part of who you are and how you view yourself, then you end up in a dangerous place. Because it won't be long before you will be reflexively defending things that you would never ordinarily defend. It won't be long before you're trying to blame the other team for stuff that your team is really responsible for, right? Or at least just as responsible as the other team. It won't be long before, metaphorically speaking, you'll be throwing stuff at the TV. Now, okay, I am not saying that all the parties and candidates in this election are equally valid choices that are equally messed up, and I'm not not saying that, okay, I'm trying not to say anything (laughs) about that, right? (laughs) I'm trying to be as nonpartisan as possible. All I'm saying is this, if you allow your support of a party or a candidate to become part of your identity, you're not going to be able to look at things objectively anymore. You're, you're, you're going to put yourself in a position where there's a good chance that you're going to end up like that crazy sports fan who always thinks that there's a conspiracy among the refs. Don't be that guy. And here's the great thing. The great thing is that when we allow Jesus and his kingdom to define us, we are freed from needing to find our identity in things like sports teams and political parties. We're free to be able to look at things more, more objectively because criticism of a sports team or a candidate or a political party is no longer an assault on our identity because it's our relationship to Jesus that defines who we are. It's our status as citizens in the kingdom of heaven that defines who we are. And that frees us to acknowledge both the good and the bad in sports teams and candidates and political parties, rather than just reflexively defending whatever our person does or our team does. So we need to let our identity be shaped by Jesus and his kingdom. We need our allegiance to first and foremost be to him. And then to let that allegiance define our relationship to everything else. Okay, the last point I want to make this morning about how the Kingdom of Heaven should affect our view of the election is that we should let the values of the Kingdom of Heaven guide our behavior. Now, originally I was going to make this point, we should let the values of the Kingdom of Heaven guide how we vote. And I do think that's true. Okay. But the point I want to make here this morning is actually more broad than that. Because I don't want to just talk about how we vote, but I want to talk about how we treat each other during the election season. Especially when we disagree. And as I was reflecting on, okay, what's a good refresher of the values of the kingdom? Where can we go in scripture to just kind of get a quick snapshot of, like, this, these are the values of the kingdom? And I think a great passage to look at is the Beatitudes. Um, Over the last five weeks, we've been looking at the passages in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. And the very first time he talks about the kingdom of heaven in the Gospel of Matthew is when he starts preaching right in the beginning. He says, the kingdom of heaven is near, repent. The second time that he mentions the kingdom of heaven is in the Beatitudes. And what the Beatitudes are is a series of statements about what kind of character, what kind of attitude is blessed. And so in the midst of the craziness of this election season, in the midst of the mudslinging and the accusations and the lies and the gossip and the slander, the fighting, the anxiety and the fear, I want us to pause and take these in. Because in the spiritual desert that has been this election, I I feel like this is a drink of refreshing cool water. So, this is from Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. There we go. Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. You can follow along in your Bibles if you want to just close your eyes as I read it and take it in, whatever you want to do. These are the words of Jesus. because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, here's a list of the qualities that Jesus is saying here are blessed. The qualities that belong to the people of the kingdom of heaven. You've got humility, that's what it means to be poor in spirit. Um, not having a higher view of yourself than you ought to. Um, it also just means not thinking about yourself a lot, you know, being other-centered. That's what it means to be humble. It means to be contrite. Jesus talks about blessed are those who mourn. Well, I don't think he's saying there, well, blessed are those who are just crying all the time, right? But what he means, is, blessed are those who are aware of their own sin and who grieve over that, or contrite. Blessed are those who meek, who are meek. Another another word for that is gentle. You know, someone who responds in a a heated situation uh, by trying to diffuse it by being gentle, by not returning a harsh word with a harsh word. That's meekness. Blessed are those who desire righteousness. You know, who want what is good and beautiful and true. Those who are merciful those who are willing to say, I forgive you, rather than pay up. Blessed are those who are authentic, not hypocritical, purity of heart, sincere. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who try to stop conflict rather than escalate it. And then the persecution one means, blessed are those who are willing to suffer for the sake of those things. even when they do those things, And people complain about it or give them a hard time for it. Blessed are those who keep doing them anyway. It's the values of the kingdom of heaven. So if these are the kinds of values that the kingdom of heaven is all about, we need to ask ourselves: when I've disagreed with people, have I been humble? Have I been gentle? Have I tried to make peace? I'm not saying that we shouldn't have strong opinions or that we shouldn't share those opinions, but I'm just saying, are we doing it in a way that still has the values of the kingdom? Because it's possible to do both. You know, and I'll say, I certainly haven't done a perfect job myself this election season. I'm preaching to myself too, for sure. But I encourage all of us to take some time to reflect uh, both during the reflection song that's going to happen in a little while and over the next couple days before the election um, on whether or not we've been embodying these values during the election season. Um, As citizens of the kingdom of heaven whose first allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom, have we been modeling his kingdom? And if not, who do we need to apologize to? What do we need to confess? What do we need to change? And then finally, in addition to letting the values of the kingdom affect how we interact with each other, we also should let the values of the kingdom influence how we vote. Um, If we really believe that these are the values that are blessed, that are truly blessed, then ideally, we should be looking for leaders who seem to also recognize these qualities as blessed. I'm not even saying that you have to vote for a leader that, you know, says, I am a follower of Jesus. I mean, I think it's cool to have leaders that are followers of Jesus, but do, we, want, we want to have leaders who recognize these sorts of qualities as blessed. Um, ideally... We should want to support a candidate who is humble, who has a sense of contrition for sin, uh, who's meek, who desires what is righteous, who's merciful, who's authentic, who seeks peace, and who's willing to do all that even if people criticize them for it. And while it's true that, you know, we, we definitely never elect a perfect person, we don't, and we are not looking for a pastor, we're looking for a president, right? I still think that we should be looking leaders that embody these kinds of qualities. Because like Jesus says, these are the qualities that are blessed. Now you might say, well, that's really too bad, (laughs) (laughs) because no one with a chance of winning embodies these qualities. Okay, well, fair enough. If that's your conclusion, you you, you have two options, really. You can try to vote for the person that you think most embodies these qualities even though they fall woefully short, right? And I encourage you, take time alone, pray about that, seek the Lord. Or, and I don't necessarily recommend this, and I know for some people what I'm about to say is gonna sound like a sin of the highest order, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. You cannot vote too. You can. Um, Paul says in Romans fourteen twenty three. Everything that does not come from faith is sin, and essentially what that means is if you can't do something without a clear conscience before God, then for you that is a sin. So a lot of people, times people, will apply this to drinking. You know the Bible doesn't categorically state that drinking is a sin, but for some people their conscience is not at peace with it, and so for those people if they were to drink, yes it would be a sin in that case, but they can't then enforce that standard on other people, you see what I mean? So for some people, their conscience might just be saying, I just am not at peace at all with voting at all in this election, and it's not my place to then say to them, well, that you have to do it anyway, right? So I throw that out there, but I do more encourage us to educate ourselves, to reflect, and then to do our best with the information that we have if we are going to vote. And uh, education is important when it comes to voting. Can I just say that? Um, When you get your information, don't go to websites that have these clickbaity headlines, and when you go there, pop-up windows start coming up, and there's weird advertisements at the bottom. You usually can't trust those, okay? Don't pay attention to those sorts of things at all. Try to go to more reputable sources for your information. Everything comes with a little bit of bias. Nothing's perfect. You know, but try to, try to care about facts. Right? As Christians, we should care about the truth, not just what already conforms to our current position. Care about facts. <clears throat> and above all, pray. Seek the Lord. Uh, we, all of us should be doing that in regards to all, dis- all decisions. Um, but we should not leave the Lord in his leading out of this decision. And whatever we do on Tuesday, let's aim to do it with a conscience before God that's at peace. And may I add, <laughs> that doesn't mean that we're all gonna end up doing the same thing. I wish it did, you know. That would make things easy, right? But it, it, we, we won't all do the same thing, and that's okay. But what, whatever you do, seek the values of the kingdom Love the Lord first. Seek his wisdom. Find your identity in his kingdom and the, your hope in his promises and do what you do in faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we, we come before you now with concerns about our country. Um, God, we... We want our country to be a safe place. We want it to be a place where, as a culture, we embody the the values of the kingdom, the values that uh, are truly blessed. And during a time like this, it it can feel like maybe we're slipping further from that. But, Lord, we acknowledge that our hope is not in America, but our hope is in you. And uh, we trust in you. Um, Our allegiance is first and foremost to to you and to your kingdom, God, and I pray that that would be our hope and our strength. Lord, I pray that we would be enabled to love and care uh, for those regardless of where they fall on the political spectrum, Lord. I pray that we would give grace to each other, that we we would give each other the benefit of the doubt, recognizing that even if we disagree on how to get to the best possible scenario, that at least we agree that we, we want the best possible scenario. God, I pray uh, for unity in your church. I pray that um, even if we disagree over political candidates, that we would be able to affirm together what is good, what is beautiful, what is true. That we would be able to affirm together the values of the kingdom and that you would give us strength to live them out. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.